Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And for the first time ever, we're coming to you not from Divinity Hall at Beeson, but from the safety of our homes as we shelter in place for the remainder of the COVID-19 storm. We know that these have been some very difficult days for many listeners who are separated from loved ones in their families, in their churches, in their workplaces. We want you to know that we're praying for you, and we hope this podcast can play a small part in giving you courage and strength for this day. Today's guest on the show is a dear friend and a board member at Beeson, who serves now as the president of the up-and-coming Center for Pastor Theologians, or CPT for short. He has been a friend of mine for years, and I'm excited about sharing him with all of you. Kristen, would you please introduce to us the Reverend Dr. Todd Wilson? Hello, everyone. To be with you. Uh, we have as our guest the Reverend Dr. Todd Wilson. He is co founder and president of the Center for Pastor Theologians, a ministry aimed at equipping pastors to be theologians for today's complex world. He holds a BA and MA degrees from Wheaton College, a PhD in New Testament uh, from Cambridge University, and is currently completing an MBA degree from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. He is the author of a book called The Pastor Theologian, Resurrecting an Ancient Vision, which we're going to ask him about today. And he is, very importantly, one of our Beeson Advisory Board members, and we are very grateful for his support and um, encouragement. Um, But perhaps even more important, he is married to Katie. And they have seven children. So welcome to the podcast, Todd. Thank you, Kristen. It's great to be with both you and Doug. And uh, uh, Beeson has been a hugely special place uh, to me, being able to serve on the advisory board and having been down there a number of times, both in that capacity and other things. So it's be it's great to be on the podcast today. And and Doug, you mentioned our our friendship that goes back a number of years. Uh, so grateful for for you and for that friendship and your involvement with CPT as well. So it's great to be with both of you. Great to have you. Well, we always like to begin um, on a very personal level. Could you introduce yourself and um, filling out details where you're from, your faith yeah, journey? For, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I was born in, and reared in uh, the northern suburbs of Indianapolis, a town, a suburb called Carmel. Grew up in a non-Christian home. And uh, met Jesus in the corner booth of a McDonald's, believe it or not, uh, uh, at the age of 16. And my life was radically transformed through that encounter. I got to that corner booth and, and heard this gospel presentation from the father of the girl that I had a special interest in in high school, who now, believe it or not, is my wife of 24 years. <laughs> and so it's, it's, a, it's a great, powerful story about the grace of God in, in my own life. But anyway, so I came to Christ. Uh, and uh, both my wife and I were students at Wheaton College, and uh, uh, really it was there at Wheaton College that I fell in love, not just with the life of the mind, but the, the Bible as well. 
I took Greek as an undergrad, and uh, I feel like that was a second conversion, studying, uh, learning about the riches of the New Testament. And as I was finishing up at Wheaton, my undergrad degree, I studied philosophy, but but uh, I took Greek on the side. I thought to myself, how can I teach this book for a living? What, what can I do? To, <laughs> and I got some advice to go, you know, keep pursuing education all the way through a PhD. And then you could either pastor a church or teach an academy. And so that's more or less what I did. A key chapter in that journey was uh, right after undergrad, before going back to grad school, I spent two years at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis and was on staff. Um, John Piper was the pastor of the church at that time. And that was really, really significant to see the model of the pastor theologian, obviously stuff we'll talk about on this podcast today, seeing that in live time with one of America's great pastor theologians. So anyways, my wife and I were married in fact, before we graduated college between our junior and senior year and uh, went to Minneapolis. We're there back to graduate school over to the UK for a couple of years. And maybe just one of the things to say uh, about my own journey and call to ministry. When I was in England doing doctoral research, it was it was interesting. I didn't realize realize how much I loved research and writing and and scholarship. Uh, I knew I liked the world of ideas, but I didn't quite realize that I would geek out as much as I did sitting in a library for 16 hours a day reading journal articles and stuff. And I and I grappled with maybe God is wired and is calling me to be a research scholar. And so I was starting to pursue that path, go into an academic teaching post when God sort of out of nowhere uh, intervened as I was finishing up my third year at Cambridge and a pastor I'd interned with at, in Wheaton, actually, both as an undergrad and a grad student, uh, a person by the name of Kent Hughes, who uh, you both uh, know, uh, I think he's, he's um, done some things at Beeson over the years, um, but he reached out and there was a pastoral opening at college. Eaton. And uh, he said, I don't know what God's will for your life is, but uh, I, I, you know, I, why don't you pray about um, uh, this pastoral opening? And so my wife and I did. I'm obviously compressing a, a long story. Um, and we felt very clearly the Lord to pastoral ministry um, at that point. And so when we finished at Cambridge, it was a bit of a sharp right turn. I really was all the trajectory and momentum was scholarship and a junior academic teaching research position, all the rest of it. Next thing you know, associate pastor at a large church in the Midwest and trying to figure out what to do with all these research passions and interests and, 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 and this kind of scholarly bent that I had and, you know, segueing <laughs> into things to say this, and then I can, I can uh, shut up on that. At least this answer uh, was trying to really grapple with how do you serve as a pastor also have these strong passions and vision for scholarship and for resourcing the church theologically. And and as you two both know, and as the listeners will, uh, large suburban churches that have tons of programs and tons of things to do, uh, that's not exactly the most hospitable culture for serious theological reflection as a pastor. So just kind of gesturing to the birthplace in many ways of the CPT was was out of that 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 existential conflict that I was experiencing as a, as a new pastor and a freshly minted PhD. This is a perfect segue, Todd, to the main thing we wanted to talk about today, and that is your role in the CPT. We've yeah. mentioned already that you are the co-founder and the president 
of the Center for Pastor Theologians. That's what we're referring to by shorthand with CPT. And we want our listeners to learn all about it. We think it's a wonderful organization. Uh, a few of us at Beeson are invested in it. And of course, we've already mentioned you're invested at Beeson. We want our people to get excited about the work of the yeah. CPT. So maybe we could begin by just asking you, what is the CPT? What's it all yeah, about? Sure. Yeah, sure. So the the CPT is a, is a small nonprofit. It's been around for about 13 or 14 years. And our mission is to equip pastors to be theologians for today's complex world, right? So we are passionate about raising the banner for the pastor as a thought leader, you might put it that way, as a theologian, not necessarily an academic. When we think theology, we often think academic theology. We're, we're primarily thinking about the pastor as a, a thought leader, someone who knows the will, the way, the works of God and can shepherd God's people into all of that wisdom. That's what we mean uh, by the pastor theologian sort of at, at its core. Uh, and and, and uh, so what we do as an organization, in essence, is we try to network and equip resource and then platform, if you will, pastor theologians. And so we've gathered together a network of about 100 PhD pastors from all around the country that represents 24 different denom Protestant denominations. And they meet together on a regular basis, on an annual basis for fellowship and cultivating friendship and learning from one another and sharpening uh, each other through, through the research they're doing, the writing they're doing, the preaching, the pastoral care and ministry and how theology intersects and interfaces with all of that. Uh, and then we build, like I said, we build platforms for them through uh, the different programs that we have and, and offerings. So our resource hub of our website or our podcast or our conference or some of the book projects we do as a way of helping them leverage their gifts for the benefit, not just of their local church, their own particular congregation, though that's obviously the front line and, and incredibly important, but for the broader church, for, for God's people uh, beyond the four walls of, of their local congregation. Part of it has been this network of PhD pastors. We call them ecclesial theologians, but we are expanding that to, to enfold more folks that resonate with the vision of the pastor theologian. Uh, so local church pastors who don't necessarily have PhDs love and, and want to be about a theologically driven approach to ministry. Students, we're trying to, as it were, influence and capture the next generation. Uh, so we have a student um, outreach that, that Beeson has been participating in this past year uh, and, and things like that. So that's really what the, the CPT is all about. And you might say, you know, if our, our mission is equipping pastors to be theologians for today's complex world, our, our vision really is the renewal of the pastoral vocation. Craig Barnes, the president of Princeton Seminary, says the hardest thing about being a pastor today is figuring out what it means to be a pastor. And I think that's exactly right. There's probably not another vocation that suffers from as much of a lack of clarity about what the call, what that calling or vocation or job, if you will, is really all about as the pastor. And there are, are a lot of competing visions of what a pastor ought to be and sort of archetypes of the pastoral calling and the pastoral persona or personality. And we're trying to renew that the, the, the vision of the pastor as a theologian. Ultimately, of course, for the renewal of the church and then the renewal of communities. Because last thing I say on this point uh, is 
is um, local churches are confronting in our late modern world stunning complexities and uh, that I think we're all aware of, right? Political complexities and sexuality issues and I mean, just all of the kind of political and non-political forces, technology and all the rest of it that's in play. Congregants need to be equipped to know how to navigate the world and engage culture in a way that's winsome and gospel-centered and helpful and fruitful. And so they need pastors to, to do that equipping uh, so that communities can be reached and impacted in a way that's, that's uh, really helpful and, and God-honoring. So that's the, the broader vision is, is the renewal of communities really all around the country. And if God would give us the grace all around the world, actually. I wonder if you want to tease out a little bit more the vision of CPT as it relates to your book that you co-wrote that I mentioned, The Pastor Theologian, Resurrecting an Ancient Vision. Um, For some listening to you, they might think, oh, pastor and theologian seem to be competing terms, and they may uh, just not fully grasp what you're trying to get at. So I wonder if you could uh, talk to us about the vision, especially as it's laid out in your book. For centuries, I mean, there's a variety of ways to go get into this question about the book, but maybe to start this way, Kristen, that for centuries, there's been clarity about what it means to be a pastor. If you look back in the history of the church, that the pastor was a theologian. And, you know, for centuries in the history of the church, if you're to say, you know, get me a theologian, right? Where would people, where can I find a theologian? People would say, well, where are the prominent ministers? You know, let's go talk to them. They are theologians, as it were, by definition. That's what a pastor is, is, is a, again, not an acad, not necessarily an academic, right? Uh, that's a later development. People who are wise to the ways of God and learned, uh, but but know how to connect the truth of God's word and the, the riches of the Christian tradition to the life and practice of a local congregation. And uh, uh, so that's that's the kind of aha I think for all of us in the CPT world is is wow this is this is just what it has meant historically for. Um, for pastors in terms of their calling is, is to be functional theologians. And so we wanted to, my co-author and the co-founder of the CPT, uh, and in many ways, really the, the, the one uh, who had the, 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 the idea at the outset for the CPT, Gerald Heastan, to, to resurrect this ancient vision, right? The subtitle of the book to, to again, r- r- wave the banner for a way of going about pastoral ministry. It's very countercultural now, but is, is rooted in the history of the church and the great sort of pastors were great theologians and great theologians were pastors through the, so much of the history of the church. And I should give a shout out here to the Dean of Beeson Divinity School, Doug Sweeney, because I think Doug was actually responsible. The one, all to we trace it all the way back, the stream all the way up. Uh, he was the one responsible for the genesis of the CPT, albeit unwittingly. My co-founder and co-author, Gerald Heastan, was taking, uh, doing a, an MA in church history um, at Trinity Divinity School when Doug was there, talking about, I think, Puritan theology or, or American, you know, the Puritan era in American church history. I don't know exactly what the class was, Doug, but Gerald came away absolutely mesmerized and fascinated by the, you know, what the, the interplay between pa- uh, the pastoral calling and theology before the advent of the seminary in the modern research university back in Jonathan Edwards's day, for example. And he came away from that class and that getting that perspective on church history, wondering, could, you know, A, what has happened to 
the church into theology when these two things have have gone their separate ways? And then B, how could we how might we bring them back together? Is that even possible? That was the birth really of the CPT was was that idea. And the book is an articulation of of that vision that these two things, the pastorate and theology, really belong together. They're intimately intimately uh, connected. Todd, I know from a lot of experience talking about this that a lot of our pastoral listeners, maybe even seminary student listeners, are going to hear this and they're going to think, wow, I mean, that's a tall order. Is Wilson saying that we all need to get PhDs if we're going to be good pastors? How does he think we should balance the demands of pastoral ministry? And uh, we didn't say a lot about this when we introduced you, but of course, you've been a pastor for many years as well. You know how full the job description is. Yes. Give yes. advice to people. So what are you saying? What are you recommending? Should some of them get PhDs? Should all of them think of themselves as theologians? And insofar as you want to push that, how do they develop their schedules? Okay, well, there's a lot of questions there, Doug, and they're all great questions. Uh, and if I miss one of them, uh, remind me, well, let's let's come back to it. But I, I think it's really important to say that, and to say real clearly from the, the CPT uh, uh, that you, you definitely don't need a PhD to be a marvelous, faithful local church pastor, nor do you need a PhD to be an, a, a functional theologian for the church, a pastor theologian in that sense. Um, the PhD is not sort of the uh, I mean, is not is not some some silver bullet or, or magic dust to make one a pastor theologian. Um, and we can talk about the, the wisdom or the value or the benefit of, the, of a PhD, but I just want to disabuse anybody of that idea. Sometimes we are uh, viewed that way as sort of advocating that every pastor needs a PhD. That's not at all the case. Of course, there have been, you know, for much of the history of the church, uh, there were no PhDs to be had. Uh, so so I, I, that's definitely not the case. Should one pursue a PhD? I think my my advice here is you've got to work from your gut, if I can put it this way. In other words, if it is not a passion of yours, if you if you are not passionate about learning and about learning lots of different things and about studying really hard, and if you don't have a an aptitude, uh, some some level of aptitude with all of that, then then I would I would sort of dissuade you from doing a PhD. I liked Spurgeon used to talk about uh, the advice he would the advice he would give to people that would ask about whether they should be going to the pastor. And he said, he, he said his advice was, if you can do anything else besides going to the pastor, go do that. Which I always thought was pretty good advice. Uh, in other words, the way of sort of like sifting your desires. And I think particularly in our credentialed society, there's a lot of cachet that comes with being a PhD. And with having doctor before your name, it has a lot of practical utility. It opens a lot of doors and all the rest of it. And, and that is true. That's just a fact of modern life and, again, our credentialed society. But that's not a sufficient reason to go get a PhD in terms of the time, and the sacrifice, and the financial resources and impact on family and all the rest of it. Unless it's uh, it needs to kind of emerge from your gut and your passion. And I will say not just the passion for study, but I would say a passion for some area of theology or biblical studies or whatever the discipline is that has really caught your attention. Uh, it doesn't need to be as narrowly worked out as a, as a research proposal. But I'm saying if you don't have something in your gut that you're just passionate about learning more about, 
uh, I would I would dissuade one from from um, you know getting a PhD. It's it's just too too taxing, too demanding. It, it requires too much of of one in terms of sacrifice. I think, and your your energies can be better spent. You know, just just um, being a self. You know, learning and on your own and and through the, the formal education that that you may have already received. Another related question that we sometimes get when we have conversations like this has to do with what the people in our congregations really need and really want. I think there's a concern that if the CPT advances its mission too successfully, too many pastors are going to be too heady to love people in normal kinds of ways, uh, and their sermons may become um, too distant or too too high level to connect with people. Help us with that a little bit. Well, I, I would only want to affirm that that is a very real dilemma and challenge. And I think that reflects the bifurcation of the divorce between theology, which is an, which in our, our modern world and contemporary in our ears is we hear that as theology is an academic discipline that is in the academy. It's done in the academy by professional scholars and academics. It's an ivory tower exercise. Uh, pastoring is something different. Pastoring is caring for people. Pastoring is shepherding people. Pastoring is being there at the bedside and the graveside and 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 so on and so forth. And so we we think of these two concepts and categories as separate. Uh, and the challenge is they are very different social locations. And the pastor who goes and gets a PhD and is, if you will, socialized in academic theology will leave that venue, that place, after two, three, four years of, of that kind of inculturation in, in the academic discipline and the socialization of all that, show up in a church and will speak in academic theology speak. It will be very hard not to do that. I, that uh, let me give you one example. So I spent three years in Cambridge doing a PhD studying Galatians. And I, at one point, could have told you about everything that had been written on Galatians in the modern era, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, you know, this goes, you just, you just are sinking and swimming in all of this academic research. Well, I finished that up. I land at College Church in Wheaton. I'm the associate pastor for adult discipleship. And so my first assignment is to teach the 120 person men's Bible study at 6 a.m. On, a fr- on Friday mornings. But I'm a newly minted PhD in Galatians. And so I thought, well, I know what I'll do. I'll teach Galatians in reverse to this group of men at six in the morning, because as everybody knows about Galatians, the epistolary postscript, 6, 11 through 18, is the most significant part of Galatians and the hermeneutical key to the letter. And won't they all be very interested to hear about all of this? <laughs> you know, and maybe I'll throw in some Verkunskischicht while I'm at it. I mean, you know, I, I'm so full of all of this academic stuff. It's not very easy to translate that into the practicalities and the lived experience of the local church. So just to affirm, Doug, that the, the, the sense that ordinary congregants have of this dichotomy or divorce is real. It is real. And so I think it's incumbent upon, and here's the advice to pastors who are pursuing this path, it's incumbent upon us to show the relevance and the reality and the importance of substantive theological reflection for for the everyday lives of ordinary people. So that's why we talk about the mission of the CPT as equipping pastors to engage today's complex world. Congregants with no theological education or even formal education get that this is a complex world. Pastors 
who are theologically skilled and substantive, if they can help congregants navigate all of these difficult issues so that they can live more faithfully in today's complex world, uh, their congregants will appreciate them for that and love them for that and feel like they're being well shepherded and cared for and fed from God's word. And that will make all the difference. Not pontificating as an academic, but shepherding with substance and depth. There's pastors that are listening to you and they're thinking to themselves, well, I, I want to become a pastor theologian. What would you say to them about next steps or what that would look like or even how to get involved in the work of the CPT? Sure. You know, one of the ways we talk about the pastor theologian is that a pastor theologian is marked by a couple of things. One, they teach and share the riches of God's word to God's people. So they're Bible people. They love the Bible. They dwell in scripture. They And they speak it and pray it and sing it and preach it. And that's really the leading edge of what it means to be a pastor theologian. Uh, that's that's one. You know, they're, they're Bible people, too. Uh, that they are those who retrieve, the way I like to put it is retrieve the treasures of the Christian tradition to reapply them to the contemporary context. So they understand that Christianity didn't start 20 years ago or even 200 years ago, but there's a long uh, centuries old conversation going on that we call the Christian faith with a vast wealth of resources that local church pastors can draw on um, to share with their congregants in terms of the worshiping life of the church, the theological reflection of the life of the church going back centuries. So that's, I think, another thing that that, that pastors can do without earning PhDs or uh, is is to learn about the rich tradition of the church and, and find creative and faithful ways to reapply those things. And then thirdly, and maybe this is, I don't want to say most important, but is is the cutting edge of what it means to be a pastor or theologian is, is this, to help your people think Christianly, not just about Christian things, but about everything. So to help uh, pastor theologians in their churches, to help your congregants think from a Christian perspective, not just about small groups or, or worship or evangelism or missions, but about the whole range of issues that we confront in our lives today, from immigration to racism to evolutionary biology and and economics and all the rest of it. Think of it from a Christian perspective. That is from a theological perspective. Um, that really marks, I think, the the pastor theologian and in in that person's work in a local church. And that's something I think any pastor can do, and it, and and pastors should do, uh, to be faithful in shepherding uh, their people. Uh, how can folks connect with the work of the CPT? Yeah, I, I think you could start by. Uh, just just tapping into and benefiting from some of the resources we try to make available. So you could visit us at pastortheologians.com and our, our website has um, uh, regular, you know, uh, blog postings, uh, thought pieces from our network of pastors that where you see modeled this engagement of theological reflection, life and ministry of the church. We also have a podcast where we drop an episode every Monday. And I think that'd be a real encouragement to those that are listening to to tune in uh, to that. We also host a conference every year in October where we try to bring together top-notch theologians as well as pastors to do some of what we call ecclesial theology uh, and model it and put it on play through our conferences. Um, 
Two other things, Kristen. Uh, one is, if you're a student, we have student theologian fellowships. We're, we have one going at Beeson that Doug's been involved with. We're very thankful for that. Um, but we've got um, nine others on nine seminary campuses around the country, and we're going to start another five next academic year. So uh, those, uh, uh, if you're a student at uh, uh, one of those seminaries, you can get online and and see if we've got one that's going to be meeting on your campus and, and check that out. And then lastly, we have local theologian fellowships that meet in cities around the country from uh, Boston to Minneapolis uh, to L.A. And if you're one of those cities, you could you could check us out there as well. And I can offer personal testimony that our students have really enjoyed the student fellowship at Beeson uh, this year. They're really excited about it. That's great. Todd, we want to conclude just by uh, hearing again from your heart about your own experience, particularly during the COVID season. Uh, I know as your friend, this is a season of transition for you. You've recently moved. Yeah. Kinds of yes. things just any words of uh, encouragement, edification for our listeners based on what the Lord's been teaching you these days? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I so appreciate the question, Doug. We we have just moved. Uh, we moved, in fact, from Chicago, where we've been for 15 years, back to our hometown, both my wife and I's hometown of, of Carmel, northern suburb of Indianapolis. Actually, we live in Indianapolis proper. but uh, And we moved the day before the country went on lockdown. So it was quite a surreal experience. And next thing you know, we have all seven children in the home on lockdown and doing, you know, homeschooling and all the rest of it. It's been a wild experience, as I'm sure your listeners appreciate I will say this, though. Katie and I, uh, my wife Katie and I have been, um, uh, can I put it this way without sounding insensitive, but we've been very grateful for the gift of the lockdown. Not grateful for all the impacts of COVID-19 on the economy and people's health and all the rest of it that our heart goes, hearts go out to, to the country and to so many people who have been suffering so massively because of this. But Wow, Doug, um, it has it, it, we have been able to slow down as a family in amazing ways and linger, for example, at the dinner table and just talk with all seven of our kids. Uh, our oldest is home from college and wouldn't have otherwise been and hanging out and and they've got no one else to play with. So they're all interacting with each other. And Katie and I have and I don't want to you know paint as though it's all been warm and fuzzy in our house. There've been plenty of bumps and <laughs> tensions and things, but we've been very grateful for how our kids are flourishing and connecting with one another and how we're able to just slow down as parents and as a family and, and uh, enjoy them. So if there's any encouragement to the listeners, it's, it's uh, without, you know, again, minimizing the significant and costly impacts of COVID-19, just to say, uh, to to practice gratitude in the midst of this, there are I think God is is giving us a grace the, the grace of this gift of, of of if you will a forced sabbatical for all of us and for our families and there's a lot to be enjoyed there. Some wonderful words of theological wisdom with which to conclude our interview. Thank you. you have been listening to the Reverend Dr. Todd Wilson, co-founder and president of the Center for Pastor Theologians. Uh, we commend it to you warmly. We're involved in it at Beeson and think the world of it. We're very grateful to Dr. Wilson for being with us today. And we want to thank all of you for listening as well. May God bless you as you shelter in place, keep you safe and sound. We are, are praying for you here at Beeson. We love you a lot. Thanks for being with us. Goodbye for now. been listening to the Beeson Podcast. 
Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Thank you.